All right, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining me in a very socially distant way is our own Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. It's always good to be here. Uh, love doing these things. I'd much rather be there with you, though. But uh, hey, we, we do what we got to do during this crazy thing called the uh, pandemic. Yeah, Ray and I, are, you know, we're, we're normally together, but here on the Zoom call, thanks to uh, Governor Evers and uh, some more crackdown measures, we decided to be good. And we, all, we both, you know, decided we also want to live as well. Um, so Yeah, that, that, that's a good option. That that's area. a good option, Kevin. All right, so uh, Ray, we're going to be talking about finally, and, and, and I know, listeners, you've been waiting for this. We've been talking about uh, the book, Hoping for Happiness by Barnabas Piper. And we've talked about talking about this for a couple of weeks, and I keep putting it off and putting it off. I'm sorry. Uh, we, we've had some, some sickness issues and some other issues. And somebody, I'm not going to say who, somebody uh, didn't read the book as soon as they were supposed to have. Um, I won't mention that person. Well, he's um, not talking about me, Barnabas. I read the thing, and I loved it. But, you know, making up for it uh, is that we do have the author, Barnabas Piper, with us on the podcast. So, Barnabas, welcome to the uh, Basic Bible Podcast. Well, thank you for having me on, and thank you for reading the book, uh, you know, better late than never, I guess. So, and, and right on time for one of you, whichever one that was. Yeah. Well, we're not going to mention names. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Right. Yeah. No, no, no throwing but anybody under a bus. Well, Barnabas, actually... His initials are Kevin Thompson. Yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> Barnabas, I can actually say welcome back to the podcast. You're not going to remember this, but you were on this podcast once. Um, back in 2018, we ran into each other at the Doctrine and Devotions Conference in Chicago, and by running into each other, I mean I basically stalked you and shoved a microphone in front of your face. Yeah, you held up a little Zoom recorder in my face, and it was like you asked for like a two-minute answer to one question. I think it was so it was like it was like a clip almost, if yeah. my recollection is correct. I, I'm surprised you even remembered it, so I'll, I'll give you credit for that. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was a memorable interview, you know, <laughs> having a recorder stuck in your face. It felt it made it, it felt paparazzi ish, but you know, there's it was new to me, so it, it felt yeah. exciting. I feel like I could go into that field of journalism. Um, and I could see you doing that just on I a mean, theological level. Just you know, you're I'm always doing photo bombs with politicians. So. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk about... Rob shoulders with the rich and famous. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about the book here, okay. uh, Hoping for Happiness. And uh, Barbara, I want to ask you first, um, what does a Vikings fan know about happiness? Uh, well, either nothing at all, ever, or all of the ways to find happiness in spite of circumstances that do their absolute best to ruin it for you. So it's, it's one of the two. Yeah. All right. So um, talk to us a little bit about this concept of happiness. As Christians, sometimes, uh, well, let me back it up. I remember years ago reading through the Beatitudes and hearing a, a, a pastor declaring, well, you know, some translations just translate this happy and, we know as Christians, our goal is not just to be happy, but we want to be blessed. And so we're going to stick with the old King James or, or whatever. Um, and even just, just recently, uh, I heard a message from uh, a guy I knew in college who basically said, if you want happiness, 
Uh, well, really, all you need to do is read the Bible, and that should be enough. So we have a lot of misconceptions about this. And, and you kind of address this in your book. Is it, and let me just throw it out there, as Christians, should we even be seeking for happiness on, on this side of eternity? I mean, the short answer is yes. Um, we, we should be. Now, that has to be defined carefully, you know, because I'm sure that in, with the examples you just gave, um, you know, we see happiness and holiness pitted against each other. You know, I've heard, you know, been in like a, a marriage seminar and, you know, people say things like marriage isn't for your happiness, it's for your holiness. I'm like, well, that sounds very much like you just told me marriage was going to make me unhappy. Yeah. Um, and also that makes holiness sound like absolutely no fun at all. Um, and I realize fun is not an explicit biblical category, but there is, if, if happiness is always portrayed as something pitted against God's will, I think we've done a great disservice to God's will and to human enjoyment of life. Um, and then I think, uh, so, so there's, there's that aspect of it, but there's also the counter aspect, which is, I think the reason people are so skeptical of happiness is that conservative Christians, I should say, is because you look at the world around you and there's just a mass pursuit of happiness in things that are dest- ultimately destructive, um, or an idolatry of good things. So something that's good, you know, work is good, um, food and drink are good. Sports are good. Movies are good. There's a lot of great things, but if those become ultimate things and we seek our happiness that way, we've, we've ruined ourselves. So you have to cut the goal of the book was to find the, what is, what is the real definition of happiness? Yeah. Happy happy medium. medium. There you go. (laughs) Except I'm not sure that it exists between those two things as much as it does outside of those two things. It's a, it's kind of a, a genuine third option that, and I right. think that's the way God portrays it in Scripture. You know, you read mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes and you, but it starts with vanity of vanities, all is vanity, which makes it sound like life is meaningless. But really what I think that means is life is temporal. Everything in it is, mm. is brief. It comes to an end. But there are these real explicit passages that talk about, uh, enjoy the life I have given you. And I've, okay. God says, I've already called it good. So enjoy your enjoy your wife, enjoy your work, enjoy your food and drink. Like there's, there's a genuine call to take pleasure in these things. They are good. Sure. When I created the world, I called it good. Yeah. It, so yeah. dig in, it, just don't put your hope in it. As you're talking, Brian, this, it, it's like, um, it struck me. I've done quite a bit of work at looking at uh, the influence of Gnosticism on our culture and in our churches. And I see that coming into play even here. There's this dichotomy of uh, the world. We can't be happy in the world because the world's evil, as opposed to we've got to be happy in heaven because that's that's the spiritual realm and that's where things are good. So even I think narcissism even comes into play somewhat in this uh, in this discussion too, because you know God did, like you said, God made the world. He called it good. And you know, it's if, if it's not a category that is often approached, maybe it should be, because it's there. Yeah, I think it's really important to remember that Genesis three did not erase Genesis one. Mm, right. It 
it changed Genesis 1. So God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in them and said it was good. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, and the world is now under a curse. But the curse did not, did not make everything bad. It did not, it did not remove all the goodness from this, from this planet. So those things that God called good still have the goodness in them. They still have the fingerprints of God on them while being tainted, twisted by sin, while being marked by mortality, et cetera. So there's a genuine, like the, the, the good gifts of God are still the good gifts of God. They're just not the eternally good gifts this side of heaven. They are, you know, you eat a good meal and you enjoy it while you're eating it. And for a short time after, and then you need to look to the next meal. Like there's, there's a, there's a temporal aspect to these things. But once we, once we land our expectations on that and we say, Oh, this is what God expected me to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Happiness finds its level. It's Mm -hmm. true. And it's true in relationships. It's true in churches. It's true in hobbies. It's true in work. It's when we're expecting the wrong things out of, this, this stuff that God has created that, that we get out of whack. So we can't have a genuine yeah, I, or happiness over temporal things as long as we understand that's limited. So I can enjoy um, a Super Bowl win or I can enjoy a... I don't know anything about that. What's yeah, that like? Right. Um, I'll get into that feeling soon. Uh, well, growing up in the 80s and 90s... You brought it up. But uh, I, I can enjoy even uh, my marriage, whatever, as long as I'm not seeking um, an eternal pleasure from that, which it can't just, it was not made to provide. Yeah, exactly. I think um, it, it's, think about, think about um, you know, you get a gift card for your birthday or for Christmas. And there's sort of the thrill of going and buying something new. If you expect that that item you've purchased, it's, it's new clothes, it's a new, you know, power tool, it's a new theological book, like whatever floats your boat. It, the thrill just wears off really fast. New stuff is soon old stuff. And so the, what are we expecting out of that? If, if we come to that with an attitude of, I'm grateful for this, whatever this thing is, I'm going to use it the way God intended. It holds this place in my life. It kind of slots in where it's supposed to. And I'm not expecting it to thrill me six months from now. I'm, a, I'm just grateful for it right now. Happiness, happiness is very attainable when we, when we hang the weight of happiness on that thing for like we end up, oh, we do, we set ourselves up for disappointment. And that's, that's the spin cycle that we see in the world around us so often as people are continually bouncing to the next pleasure or the next retail therapy right. or the next new thing, next new job, next, next new adventure. The, the next person to spend time with outside of your marriage or, or you yeah. know, all those things. The, are, yeah. Next, next church. Like I mean, church? people, people who bounce from church to church. Right. Right. So if God wants us to be happy, which you hear, you know, people justify what they do because God wants me to be happy. But there's parameters to that thinking, right? I mean, God wants us to be happy when we are 
following after his will and not our own. I mean, all the things you're talking about, chasing after me happy without regard to God, at some, most of the time. I don't know. It's, you know, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it all quickly again, but I, mean, I went on to another book after I read yours, you know. Happy for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, th- I think it's important though to to hold fast to that idea that God does want us to be happy. It does have to be on His terms, though. When right. if we're using God wants me to be happy as the the ultimate truth, you know, as the foundational truth by which we by which we do, you know, we defend all of our actions. Ultimately, what we're saying is I want to be happy, and God needs to get in line. Yeah. Whereas if we understand God wants me to be happy and we recognize him as the ultimate truth, we then, we then define our happiness through that. So yes, God wants me to be happy. He also tells me what happiness is. I don't get to decide that on my own. I fall in line and that's where there's genuine freedom in it because then it's enjoying the things that God has provided as he intended. And there's, it's, it's, you know, guilt-free essentially at that point. Whereas, when we use God to justify our actions, there's always sort of a, a manic defensiveness because we're either in sin overtly or we're, there's just sort of a, an idolatrous godlessness to the whole thing. I want to ask you about um, <laughs> chapter six in your book is, uh, was a little convicting to me. Uh, the whole idea of evangel guilt, uh, what you, uh, <laughs> a word you coined there. Because it does seem, even this conversation sometimes seems, as we're talking, seems a little awkward. Like, should we really be talking about this? It's, it just seems superficial. Um, so this idea of evangelist, the idea that, you know, I have to uh, condition everything. I have to, you know, if, I, if I've just had a, uh, again, a great meal or something. Well, I've got to talk about the discount. I use the coupon for it, so I don't have to feel bad about it. Um, if I splurge a little on getting that next theological book or whatever. Um, well, uh, I've got to somehow rationalize it in my mind so that it doesn't seem too good. Yeah, like luxurious. Yeah. yeah the, you, can't, you can't be seen to be extravagant um, as a, you know, I, the, that thought didn't totally crystallize in my mind. So I grew up in a context where, where there was a general skepticism towards money. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad... I don't know if he coined the term, he's at least popularized the term wartime lifestyle, this idea that kind of tying back to the way people would sacrifice during World War II because mm-hmm. everything went to the war effort. And he's like, we should be like that spiritually, including in our money. And to his credit, he's very consistent. And he's a, he's a frugal, conservative person who doesn't live lavishly. But that created a sense of guilt. So maybe three or four, probably three years ago, I bought a new car. Um, it wasn't brand new. There you go. There's a disclaimer, but it was the nicest car I had ever owned. And, um, and when people saw it, I immediately felt the need to start talking about how I had gotten the best possible deal and not out of pride of like, I won the negotiation as much as I need to make them understand that I didn't pay top dollar for this thing, which then got me wondering what is the matter with like what something's not quite right about this? Why is there guilt about if God's provided resources, there was a, a, there's a need for this car. 
it was a like there's nothing there's nothing lavish about this purchase it was just a good purchase why do i need to defend it same thing with you know somebody says man that's a nice shirt and you're like yeah i got it on clearance why why don't I just thank you it is a nice shirt i was really excited to find it there, there's that sense and i yeah i think it's a there's something hard baked into um hard baked into us and i think it's a misconstruing of what like when we call things puritanical I think we're sort of misconstruing who the Puritans were and how they taught, but there's sort of that like, we should be wearing dark clothes and somber faces at all times, eat dry bread and water only and enjoy things as little as possible. That's, that's sort of the sense we get as opposed to the, the freedom to enjoy and relish really good experiences. Well, you know, you, you should, what's that? I was going to say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need to give, you shouldn't need to give a disclaimer when you decide to take, right. you know, your wife or your significant other out to a really nice restaurant. You don't have to tell people, yeah, somebody gave us a gift card. You, it's okay to spend money on things. Yeah. It's okay to enjoy things. Your description of the Puritans reminds me of a lot of people's opinion of God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, that's, you know, God is a killjoy. God is not does not want us to have fun. Therefore, we're not going to become a part. And then, unfortunately, that's the message a lot of Christians in churches present to the world. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's like, you know, we need to get over that evangel guilt or, you know, whatever terminology you want to use for it. We just got to get beyond that and get back to enjoying life in a way that... Um, is, um, is God-like. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I think if we recognize those good things as gifts from God, it, it, it eliminates the need to make excuses. And this is, let me just qualify. This has nothing to do with a prosperity gospel where, um, you know, God has blessed me with so much type of thing. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's anything because people with very frugal people do this. People who are clearly not seeking, you know, the, the biggest monetary gains. But when we see it as a gift, so when I give my kids something nice, just because I love them or because it's their birthday or whatever, like it's always just, it's just, a, it's a free gift. I would be baffled, possibly offended if they went to their friends and started talking about the discount that I got on the thing. You know, so I give my daughter a new pair of shoes. She's like, it's okay. Dad got them on sale. Like, True or not, what difference does it make? I gave you those for your enjoyment. Just be grateful and enjoy them. Don't worry about, because, and I think that when we have that evangelic guilt response to things, that's kind of what we're doing to God is acting as if he's better off when he pinches pennies rather than just the lavish overflow of his kindness to us. Right. We are, we are running out of time. Close no. Great. I know, I know <laughs> you wanted to get a question in. Um, so I'm not going to rein you in yet. So uh, let's, let's go with that before we uh, wrap things up. Well, Barbas, I was, I was curious. You must have had this finished in time to be published this before the pandemic, how has you see would you if somebody came to you and said, "Okay, I, this is good stuff." How do I approach this 
masking and social distancing and you know staying isolated and staying away from people how how can i be happy and all that yeah i i think the way that i wrote the book i tried very hard to be as biblically realistic as possible so it's not a book about chasing happiness um it's not a book about <clears throat> Um, that with just an eye on the positive, ignoring the negative realities. There's, there's a chapter in there about death mm-hmm. because I think that's essential for having realistic happiness. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think as Christians, if you're not a Christian, death is it, it, at best terrifying. Um, as a Christian, death is a defining, it, it defines happiness for us. It puts the parameters on what can we expect out of anything? The mm-hmm. best we can expect is a few decades of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. That's it. So that's not necessarily a negative. It's just a, that's a reality. Yeah. I put a chapter in there about the curse and how every single thing in this world is less good than it could be. It's not bad necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's less good than it could be. There are limitations. Our responses to things are faulty, are sinful. And and so that, and then, and then there's, I think there's a chapter in there, or at least I address it in there about um, the promises of in this life, you will have trouble. So the negative promises we see in scripture, there are promises that say, you know, I will never leave you or forsake you. There are also promises that say, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes. Mm-hmm. And so both of those are, are certainties that, that shape what happiness looks like. And so that means, however, that if God is unchangeable and God has provided good gifts and wants his people to be happy in him and through his gifts, that doesn't change in the midst of a pandemic or the most contentious political season of my lifetime. Um, these of two, my lifetime, these, too. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I don't want to speak in sort of sweeping historical terms that it's the, the worst ever, but it's definitely the worst I know of. It seems like the worst in maybe the, the 20th and 21st century, but um, it's happiness is just as available if we're expecting the right things of the right things. And not only that, it's essential. It's essential that we take pleasure in the good gifts of God because they, because they exist in the midst of this mess. If we can't find ways to laugh and find ways to enjoy and find ways to, you know, take pleasure in friendship and take pleasure in music and in food and in these things that God has given us, how in the world are we supposed to make it through what is an overwhelmingly difficult and glum period? I mean, things are not trending positively by all accounts. So we have to find the brightness in the midst of it. And that's not a trite thing. That's not just sort of like, look on the bright side of life. It's more like, no, God has provided brightness in the midst of darkness. All right, I'm, I'm gesturing students out of the room. I <laughs> noticed that. I'm like, hey, Kevin's getting happy. I've never seen you raise your hands before. <laughs> that's about as charismatic yeah. as I get, okay? All right, so the book, again, that we're recommending this week, uh, Hoping for Happiness by Barnabas Piper. And we'll provide a link on our website how to get that. But any bookstore, I'm sure, will have that, Amazon especially. Um, You've also written several other books, The Pastor's Kid, Help My Unbelief, The Curious Christian. Those are all good books as well. Um, And The Happy Rant podcast, which 
is uh, one of my favorite podcasts, of course, outside of the Basic Bible Podcast. And uh, I, I like it because it's, it's, it, it, it's funny, it's sarcastic, it's, there's a mocking tone to it. You're not going to go and get some sort of deep theological uh, treatise, but you're just going to have some fun. And I appreciate and that. We do want to be self-deprecatingly mocking. We, yeah. part, of, part of what we are dedicated to on that podcast is not taking ourselves too seriously. So the goal is not to tear everything down as much as to say, hey, maybe this isn't worth getting uptight about. Yeah. That's sort of like Raining and Ray. We have yeah. a spinoff of the Basic Bible podcast called Raining and Ray. He, he tries to keep me in line, but it never works. Tries, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and check us out on Twitter at uh, Instagram at Basic Biblecast. So, uh, Barnabas, again, thanks for joining us, and we really appreciate your time and the book. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and uh, hopefully we can do it again in, I don't know, three or so years. It seems to be the pace of things. Or you can stick a microphone in my face sometime when we, when we cross paths when that's safe again. Yeah, when I start stalking you again. And uh, so hopefully that won't be too long. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and join us back next week uh, for another great edition. I'm trying to think of what's on the docket for next week and it's completely escaping. Well, you got a couple of Rain and Rage you haven't played yet. That's true. I haven't done that. In fact, that's probably what we'll do. Uh-huh. We also have an interview with Ted Pluck. You know Ted Pluck, uh, Barnabas. I do. But... Um, We haven't aired that yet either. (laughs) All right, so have a great rest of your week.